You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. That song is just entirely about sex. <laughs> when you hold me like that. When you, when you touch me, me like that. Touch me like this. It's all coming back. It's all coming back to me now. It's just the first part. It's just too good. <laughs> Welcome back for another shift on the Geeks Watch. We are here talking about the last episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney Plus. Uh, with me, as always, is John. Hail. Elizabeth. Hi. Jessica. Hello. And Steven. That's me. <laughs> we are going to talk about the last episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode six One World, One People. What? But first. As always, we are going to get into our week's watch. So, Elizabeth, what do we have that you watched this week? So, I watched a t- the first episode of a TV series that Mitch discovered after I had fallen asleep the night before as he was scrolling through the streaming services. So, I don't know if anybody else uses a, a Fire Stick or a Fire TV, but they've now changed it. They're like their um, UI so that you it's it's much like a Roku, as I understand it, or an Apple TV where they kind of suggest things. But they also have like what is also playing right now if you have Pluto TV or stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. This show happens to be on IMDb TV, which honestly I didn't know was a thing. Yeah, uh, so it's called Alex Ryder. It's based off the British. Hey. Uh, spy novels and wait a minute yeah (laughs) pretty sure there was a movie or a tv that google was telling me there's been other tv versions there's even like a there's like a teen one even if i remember correctly because teen spies make so much sense yeah (laughs) so this is this is a teen spy um the whole premise is well based off of the first episode alex Ryder's parents died when he was younger he's being raised by his uncle so and the classic peter parker story yep uh and his uncle is a boring banker but there's as, air quotes there for people who can't see it basically everybody who's not who's listening to this a boring banker except for the fact that jack who is the uncle no jack's not the uncle she is Oh. Um, caregiver? Caregiver, yeah. Because she's. She helps out around the house, takes care of Alex. The nanny. The nanny, but more than that. Anyway. Um, talks about the fact that the two of them go skydiving and scuba diving and trekking through the Amazon. And she's like, yeah, it sounds like you lead such a boring life. Um, and the episode essentially comes to be that Alex gets recruited by the uncle's real job, which is a spy network, part of MI5. So his uncle brings him into uncle? But um bum. MI6, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. MI6. 
Well, they said MI5 in the show. Did they? Yeah. Oh. Which it should have been MI6, but that's fine. I just decided to go with it. Uh, basically, it seems to be a cross between 007 and Kingsman, mm-hmm. with the spy agency actually kind of being the bad guys. Yeah. Or at least not good guys. <laughs> Verdict's still out. They live in the gray zone. Yeah. <laughs> With toes across the line frequently. Uh, what would you say? Well, no, never mind. I was going to ask about how it was shot. I know that's not a conversation. To, that's not a conversation for me, Mitch. How yeah. was it shot? <laughs> I mean, it's definitely shot like a James Bond thing or a, a Mission Impossible thing. Like it's it's a lot of quick cuts. It's following tracking shots. It's it's you know running behind the the character who is running. Uh, the the more like the storyline of it. Uh, definitely got me more interested like the whole part where she's talking about jack is like oh you've done all these things that elizabeth pointed out so it's almost like uncle was training him to do something yeah you know at it from a young age uh i'm sure that you're going to come to find out that either one of his parents is actually still alive or they were also a part of the agency or some something like that um it's i mean it's an interesting show we haven't gone back for the second episode yet but no, but it, it, I mean, it, it is an interesting show. It's not one of those, it doesn't have me captivated on the edge of my seat. I have to watch the next episode immediately, but I'll keep watching it. It's, it's interesting. It's, I, do, do you feel I, a bigger connection to it because of your love for James Bond? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, no, it's because it's it's not the same. Because mm. you deal with all the teenage angst, which usually tends to drive me away from shows. Yeah. Been there, lived that, don't need a repeat. Didn't like it the <laughs> first time around. Don't, don't need to watch it on screen. You raise a good point with that one. I I felt none of the teenage angst. So that's probably why I can be more okay with it at times. Yeah. I didn't feel that. I didn't live this. Yeah. No, the the whole the world's unfair and Yeah. And see I, I just didn't care for the teenage actors in the in the show. Mm. Like I don't think their acting's good, but teenagers rarely do, so it's fair. But yeah. So no, um overall it was an enjoyable show worth at least taking a peek at. Not something you need to run off and go watch all of right, right away. But if you find yourself in a rut, it's worth a, worth a viewing. Okay. Huh. The version of it that I thought was the teen version, which is apparently just the normal books, because I've never read these books, was that <laughs> there was a, there's a comic thing for this. Like, they've done, like, a lot of comic adaptations for this one. Uh, mm. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense. I mean, what does everybody else think of IMDb TV as a as a service? Has anybody else used it? Like this, I think no. this was the first thing I ever watched. The right before I watched that, I watched um, a news show with Christian Kane in it, also made by Dean Devlin, who made The Librarians and uh, uh-huh. Leverage. So that uh-huh. that's the reason why Christian Kane is in it. But he plays a retired DEA agent who moves to a small island in Hawaii. No, sorry, small island in Singapore. And uh, is it Singapore? Philippines. Yeah, because it's Manila. So it's the Philippines. And uh, he's going to help the police there stop 
drug runners and stuff like that, even though he's known as the crazy DEA agent. Like, it was just like, this isn't good. <laughs> Is there a specific bend to the series that they offer on IMDb TV? Because uh, IMDb don't... is owned by Amazon. So it's, it's just commercials. So you get to you oh. everything you watch it has commercials. It's not they don't uh, they don't offer up a uh, pay version yeah. without commercials. I see. Mm. And this is not the only thing we've watched on IMDb. What else did we watch? Murder She Wrote because it was the only yeah. place we could Ooh, find. But that's not a, I, I meant original <laughs> TV series. Fair. That's a good decision, though. <laughs> it's not. It really is. I, I, I love Murder, She Wrote and Columbo. I just, I watched Thank it as a kid. You. I mean, I haven't watched Columbo since I was a kid. I'm sure I wouldn't care for it too much now, but. They're really good. Honestly, if you're any kind of fan of older movies or anything, a lot of yeah. the directors and writers they had come in to do Columbo episodes. It, it's kind of along the same format as what we think of for British series, where it's a really, it's a short movie, basically. And the season yeah. is just a few episodes. They're good. Columbo owns. <laughs> you just love it when he comes back for that second one. Well, one more question. And it's always there. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And just knowing anything about the actor is fantastic. He's just, what the hell? That's, that's, that's a lot of human. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. As we stated, Alex Ryder is on IMDb TV. Hmm. Steven, what did you watch this week? I took a crack at something that I had previously kind of forsworn, I guess. Like I just pushed it away like, no, nah, it looks like trash. I'm never going to watch this. And I actually ended up watching Mythic Quest on Apple Plus. Nice. We watched the entire series <laughs> in one sitting. You know, The look on your face says that you regret this decision. <laughs> no, 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 it was no. fantastic. Okay. So it was awesome. I thought I regret like pushing it away before um. so one thing that i've always heard and i have yet to see this this show uh but there is one particular episode that everybody like universally loves and it's completely different than the rest of the series and i think that's the one that steven when he got to it he texted me like wow this episode is amazing <laughs> yep yep that like th there were good parts before that in this in the series because I, I forget how many episodes it is exactly but there's just one episode out of what's maybe like 10 or 11 episodes um, that just serves as kind of a backdrop and not even a backdrop. It's in no way integral to the rest of the series. Mm -hmm. It's just background information about a wholly different story in video game development that happens to have taken place in part in the same building that the main series is taking place in. And it's like, it's this weird single episode that could have existed as a short film by itself. Mm. That's kind of, inside of this larger comedy series that's still good. The, the, the larger comedy series is good. Honestly, they have good parts where there's good like human anchor moments. There's parts of good jokes, even to the point that I kind of excuse the parts where it's like this whole studio only has two QA testers. <laughs> okay. Cause that's just not how that works. No matter what the size of the, any video game is. Like you need more than two people for this one. Uh, and then they're supposed to be one of the largest MMOs. So they even got me past the idea of the size of the cast or the things they're glossing over or anything like that for the game with the jokes and the story that they're telling. But this one episode is just so fucking good that I, I think it would be fine to watch it by itself. Um, it actually has, uh, what is, I forget her name, Christina Milotti? 
Okay. From yeah. Made, Made for Love and mm-hmm. uh, How I Met Your Mother. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Jake Johnson from The New Girl. When it, oh, just it's that Batman. particular episode. Yeah, just that one okay. episode. Yeah. The, don't get me wrong. The rest of the show has plenty of big names. They actually have Ashley Birch, who for anyone who's played video games in the last decade, she's been the voice of everything you've played. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it's really good. I well, highly recommend it. If you have an iPhone, you have Apple Plus, basically. Apple Plus. Uh, and as far as I understand it, they extended Plus. the free membership period to even longer recently. So give it a watch. There's, uh, I mean... For those who don't know, it's also created and stars Rob McElnary. Uh, McElhaney? McElhaney, sorry. Uh, from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And it's about mm-hmm. a video game developing company. It's got Danny Pudi. Um, I'm trying to think of the other big names they have in there. For some reason, uh, John DiMaggio is in there for a couple episodes acting. <laughs> Without? So that was cool. Not doing a voice acting? Nope. He's just being him. <laughs> Like, well, he's, he's not playing himself. He's playing the the head of another game studio, but right. he acts it well. It was it was good. That reminds me of like uh, Con Man with Alan Tudyk, where they have um, uh, what's his name? Is it, is it not Troy Baker? It's another voice Troy, actor. Troy Baker acts. Yeah, I know, but it wasn't Troy Baker. It, it, it's another. I don't think was it was it Troy. Nolan North. Yes, Nolan North. Hey. No, he has. They have Nolan North in there, like as a. Uh, motion capture uh, <laughs> actor instead of a voice actor, and he's just—he's always upset at um, Smeagol, the goal. Oh actor. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember his name. And I, don't, I don't remember his name right now either. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Andy Circus. Yes, Thank you, Andy Circus. Yeah, they always pissed off at him. Like he's, he's like, like he's him and his stupid monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, uh, the the show has a great cast. I recommend it highly. I'm not selling the plot in a big way because honestly the plot is just a big backdrop for the jokes that they're making about the video game industry, but you don't have to be a person who plays video games to enjoy it either. It's still funny even past that. So, so let me ask you this, uh, of all of the shows on Apple TV plus, like obviously you like Ted, Ted Lasso and you like this, like have you watched anything else? Yeah. Uh, we did for all mankind. Was it the, good? That's the Ron Moore one, right? The, Creator yeah. Battlestar Galactica or the new Battlestar Galactica? The for For All Mankind, I dropped off after a couple episodes. I still like the premise a lot, but it's not paced in a way that services my life currently, I guess. Okay. Um I just don't need that kind of like sad downer stuff <laughs> right now. <laughs> so no, that one um Did you ever check much. out C with Jason no, Momoa? I, I don't think I'm gonna come around on that one. Okay. What about uh, uh, defending Jacob. I know that was a movie, not a show. Mm-mm. Servant. We did. We did watch a lot of other stuff. I have the first. The reason I first opened the application was actually for Wolfwalkers. Okay. It's the animated movie from the same people who did The Secret of Kells, Song of the Sea, and a couple other ones. That's re- that are, that are really good. I didn't like Wolfwalkers as much as other people did, but I mean, it's nominated for it. Academy Award. Yeah. In te- <laughs> like typically, honestly, in animation. It's kind of just the things that people talk about and are from people who already got awards for animated movies personally. Pixar is going to win the category anyways, so. Yeah. <laughs> like, there, there are a bunch of animated movies that should get way more attention that just don't. But that's the end of my soapbox on that one. Okay. Well, <laughs> Mythic Quest is on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, check it out if you have access. 
Jessica, what did you watch this week? I read this week. Okay. Um, so one of my favorite sci-fi authors in the young adult genre is Claudia Gray. Um, she does a really cool multidimensional book called A Thousand Pieces of You. Well, it's a series. And then she also did a really cool AI one called Defy the Stars as well. And then I found out quite recently that she writes Star Wars novels. And I think I knew that like in the back of my head, but I never connected that they were the same author kind of thing because I don't typically pay attention to authors too much unless I start realizing, oh, I like a lot of their books. Um, And I decided to read the Princess Leia book that she wrote. So it's called Mm. Princess Leia. Uh, Princess of Alderaan and it takes place when Leia turns 16 and it's basically how Leia joins the rebellion that her parents are running with Mon Mothma okay Um, so it's it's just a really interesting time period that Rebels kind of takes place at the same time and with seeing everything that happened in the Rebel show, which Prince Le- Princess Leia also is on the Rebel show for a little bit. Um, it's it's just fascinating to see how the Rebellion actually started and went from like a bunch of senators that were trying to do what they could within the Senate and then slowly realizing, okay, this is not working. We need to actually move on to more extreme means. But um, Bail Organa, Leia's father, is very much not wanting to move to more extreme means because Alderaan is a very peaceful planet. And Bail also knows from being in the Clone Wars that there are severe repercussions to war and to going against the Emperor and all that. So they kind of sort of try to hide Leia from what they're doing. Um, And she naturally finds out because she's Leia. So... (laughs) And she basically does sneaky stuff and figures out, oh, the emperor is really messed up. And her parents are just like, why were you there? Like constantly. Um, it's just, it was really cool. The one thing I didn't really know fully that you do learn in this book is that Leia did know she was adopted. It wasn't Leia's like. adopted? Yeah, I know. Right. But I didn't realize she actively knew. She did openly state in the book that she didn't care who her parents were. She knew they were dead. But she liked her mom. I think her mom's name is Breha or Bera, something like that. But her mom was really fascinating, too. And I also didn't realize this. Her mom is really the one that pushed Alderaan to join the rebellion more than anything. The queen of Alderaan, whereas her father was the viceroy, the senator for Alderaan. When, yeah. when, when was it established that Leia was adopted? Is this some, like, new canon stuff? I, I don't know if I'm asking, like, a... a, a I mean, explanation question here. It was like, like I su- what do you mean by established? Like it was established in the original trilogy because yeah, you, you know knew that she, she was Luke's Vader's sister. daughter. Yeah, yeah, and therefore that's, she that's had fair. to have been adopted. Yeah, and then I, at I, the I just end, I don't think about that part of this. <laughs> yeah. And at the very end, you get that Bail Organa says, "I will take the daughter," which you find out his wife had an injury in which she has like a. Not, I don't know, prosthetic heart and lungs. And so they couldn't have children because they didn't want to push that. So that's why Bail Organa is like, I will take the daughter. And, you know, because I need an heir to my kingdom as well. But also because they just really wanted a kid. And here's Leia. So they took Leia. They told her as she's growing up that she was adopted, that her parents died at the end of the Clone Wars. Didn't tell. And she didn't want to know who her parents were. 
there is a scene in the book where she goes to a moon of Naboo and meets the current queen of Naboo. And there is also she meets a he's not a senator. He was a general who knew Padme. And he's like, you look familiar. (laughs) And she's like, yeah. And he's like, you're adopted, right? And she's like, yeah, I am. But I'm still in line for the throne. Like, why is this important? He's like, you're 16, right? <laughs> like, just putting two and two together clearly. But it's all okay because Saw Gerrera blows him up. So it's great. Which is another fun thing to see Saw Gerrera doing his crazy extreme things. The other rebellions like, can Saw just calm down so we can hopefully get other planets involved in this? And then also Leia meeting with Mon Mothma, who was basically one of the big starters of the rebellion. She only has a really small role in the original trilogy. She's the lady in white that everybody forgets the name of from the original trilogy. <laughs> um, and there's this scene in which Leia's talking to Mon Mothma, and she's like, "This could be the symbol of the rebellion. Like, she's awesome. I want to follow her." And it's you can clearly see that Mon Mothma through the conversation is like, "No, this is going to be Leia is going to be the symbol of the rebellion." And there's also this, they also talk about how dangerous it is for Alderaan to get involved in the rebellion. Alderaan's a peaceful planet. There is a love interest for Leia that he's an Alderaan. And he's like, you guys aren't thinking about the repercussions for this. And she's kind of like, Alderaan will be fine. And I'm just kind of like, eh. Alderaan's <laughs> no, not going to be fine. It's not going to be <laughs> fine. But you do, she does realize by the end what the repercussions will be and makes the ultimate decision that it's still worth fighting for, that the Emperor does need to be stopped and she will do it her way. It's just, it was, it was really interesting. You learn a lot about Alderaan, which is a planet that you didn't really know a lot about. It sounds like it was a really pretty planet and had a really interesting people. Um, the other most interesting thing about it was um, Holdo is in it, which is people know as the purple-haired lady from The Last Jedi that sacrificed herself, you see how her and Leia met, and Holdo is basically... She's like a Hufflepuff. Like, she's just fun. She goes and does things for the danger of it, but she comes from this culture that, like, knows to meditate to solve your problems and wears very simple clothing, whereas she goes to, like, a ball with rainbow hair and a rainbow chiffon outfit and just, like... I don't want to be basic kind of thing. And so just she's an anime up, character. I was going to say yeah. she did drugs once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just, she's just a fun character that just does things for the right thing. She literally joins the rebellion just because it's the right thing to do. She's like, she's like, Leia needs to figure out something on a cargo ship and Haldo's already on that cargo ship to figure it out. And Leia's like, what the hell just happened? And it was just such a cool thing read so i'm definitely claudia gray does a few other novels i think she does bloodlines and there's one other one that she did within the star wars universe so i'm definitely gonna read those next because it was really easy quick read very interesting build of the star wars universe and princess leia is bomb what's padme's last name amidala thank you (laughs) yeah so yeah princess amidala okay so yeah. a book the book is available anywhere you can buy books. <laughs> yeah. I did mine from my local library. Or and I yeah. Libraries. And I've also continued 
Spider-Man on Marvel. And I got to the Black Cat parts, which I'm very happy hey. for. Did not know there was a part of Black Cat in which she was a super soldier. And that was pretty cool. Well, that's only in the t- that TV series. It is because that's the coolest thing. <laughs> well, I think no. usually she's trained up by her dad, right? Yeah, it's both. Like that's the whole thing. Yeah, she's trained by her dad and then given the super soldier serum as well. But she can transform too. Right. She can go to normal. Yeah, that's not Felicia Hardy, and then. I mean, that's yeah, that's not a thing that's in the comic book. It's it's. I think she has a somewhat mutant ability. I don't know if they ever ever call it a mutant ability, but the bad luck part of it, and that's essentially it. That's she's a cat burglar and causes bad luck on people. Thus, black cat. So. Uh, <laughs> and that's on Disney Plus. And that's on Disney Plus. John, what did you watch this week? Okay, so I'm going to preface this by saying that I over binged this week um, because I needed to ignore my responsibilities and set them aside for maybe just another week longer. Um, so I watched three things. Uh, I watched I'm Thinking of Ending Things on Netflix. I watched Shin Godzilla. Yeah! And I watched the just-released, hot-off-the-presses uh, Mortal Kombat movie. So, did Steven, did you watch your movie that you, you traded John for? Nope. Okay. Forgot about it entirely. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna have to do a make-good on that one, John. <laughs> so, John, what do well, you want to talk about? Um, well, I'll leave it up to a vote. Now, one for I'm Thinking of Ending Things, two for Shin Godzilla, and three for Mortal Kombat. I want to see a show of hands or fingers. I, for the sake of the audience listening to this purely, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I want to shift it to an audible thing. <laughs> I vote Shin Godzilla. <laughs> I vote Mortal I also, Kombat. Okay. Uh, okay. I got two Mortal Kombats, one Shin Godzilla. This could uh, be made or broken by Jess. Hey, there is okay. Wait, Shin Elizabeth? Godzilla and Elizabeth is also here. <laughs> what did you say, I said three. John, I I did, he did the finger he thing. the fingers. Yeah. So I did fingers. I so did it's just it's is it split? Yes, no. it's split. No, yeah, it's literally John no, it's needs two, to decide. Just J- J- said Shin Godzilla. It's fifty percent. Yeah. So I'll just go with Shin Godzilla then. I I thought Mitch's was number one. I didn't take in which number which things were. (laughs) I think they they were both Mortal Kombat, I believe, and you and Jess were both uh, Shin Godzilla. So um, I guess I'll just go with Shin then. So um, count as one person now, apparently. (laughs) He got to he decided his own vote. So yeah, I just decided to be the tiebreaker. Yeah, John was the tiebreaker. You vice presidented it. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's uh, no Mitch uh, McConnell's here. So (laughs) we decided to finally watch Shin Godzilla, which is a movie I was interested in a long time ago when it first was announced, but. It really turned me off when I saw the eel version (laughs) of Godzilla, which is the first version you see. So learning things about this movie now um, and watching it in hindsight with the latest like monsterverse movies. I mean, this came out, I think, shortly after the first Godzilla King of the or uh, the first Godzilla movie came out in like, what, 2014? Mm hmm. I think this came out a little bit after that one. And 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 shortly after the, and close to the Fukushima disaster is the important part. Yes, 
Yeah, the Fukushima was like 2011, so this was like a response to that, similar to how the original Godzilla was a response to the the Hiroshima bombings. Um, and in that sense, this feels like the first time a movie by either Japan or America actually captures the original spirit of Godzilla, because it's a direct reflection of the situation that was experienced and how it was handled and how it affected the psyche of the people. This one was like a little bit less traumatic it was a lot more bureaucratic i i would say um but it was interesting to watch that like one of the main complaints for the american version of the godzilla movies is that it has too many people we focus way too much on the people like people are boring we don't care we just want to see godzilla go smashy smash in this one the movie's like 90 percent the people <laughs> and it is not boring it is very interesting like watching them you know, like information traveling up the chain of command, people having to make tough decisions, people not wanting to make decisions because of how it could affect their election. You know, if they say the wrong thing and mm -hmm. it, like how their reputation could be tarnished, because that's another thing culturally in Japan. They're very like reverent to like respect and authority and things like that. So it was a really interesting watch. And in most of the cases, they do the trope of the woman's right and nobody's listening to them. <laughs> yeah. But in, in that one also, it's also the younger people. Yes. The newer generation. Oh yeah. That's one of the things that they talk about too, is that like the old people need to leave something for the young people and like with their inaction, they're basically just dooming them all. Um, but it's, it, it's also really fascinating because Godzilla starts off as, and I didn't like that first appearance of Godzilla for sure, because it just looked too, like sea life he looked he had these really large dead fish eyes well he has the gills um, like literal gills that just yeah. spew blood <laughs> in the beginning yeah that's really disturbing but that's that was actually what kind of was subconsciously awesome about it because it really does capture that feeling that the, that the first godzilla i would imagine was trying to convey where like this disaster just happens out of nowhere and people just have to kind of deal with it but it, like it's so unbelievable that you're like, wow, like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> and the fact that, like, it leaves a trail of destruction, but otherwise around it, life is kind of still going on as usual, mm -hmm. is so, like, accurate, I think. Like, even with nowadays, with anything major that happens, still people still have to go to work, still have to do their daily routine. They just kind of have to go around it, I guess. And... Um, Overall, like the, the, the fact that it's a new take on Godzilla where he mutates constantly, it's kind of like he keeps evolving. That's one of the things that they mention, I think, in the story is that because of his um, radiation poisoning that this whatever this creature originally was, now it's just rapidly, rapidly mutating. Um, yeah, it's constantly changing form. So at some point, it does become more like the Godzilla we come to know, the more average uh, body shape. Uh, but then it does get a little wackier also. He has like... <laughs> A predator mouth that dislocates into like mandibles and the one thing i didn't really like that i was like okay that wasn't necessary was the tail blaster no i was not a yeah, fan of the tail yeah, blaster no, it, it, it didn't need to happen at all yeah the, the only thing that's important about that tail is looking at the tail real close and seeing the stuff that you see at the end of it yeah it's got like an extra face on it or something there's there's like little like Body things on it. Body shapes. 
Yeah. Um, I want to say that I like some of the. Uh, I like how they try to break down his physiology a lot more. Like they bring in these biological experts and sea life experts, and they try to explain like, oh well, it doesn't seem like he's going to be able to survive on land. Like when he first comes out, because yeah. he only has like hind legs. Um, yeah, they, they then, say like his legs couldn't functionally support his yeah. weight if it came onto land. Hmm. Which is very quickly disproven, and they're like, uh. <laughs> and um, like the fact that they take into account that he's not this machine, he actually has to regenerate his nuclear power. So, like, if he uses, and I like how they demonstrate that too, like when he's at full power, his nuclear blast will be like purple, like this really bright neon purple color, which is different from other iterations because it's usually portrayed as blue. Mm-hmm. Um, but as it gets weaker, it actually like it starts off like a like a water pick like it's super fine and like a fine line of like nuclear power and then as it starts to get weaker it gets more like broad until eventually it just becomes like a flame it just looks like regular fire and then it just kind of dissipates but for that part the one of the things that i think this movie did so well is the reason godzilla looks like he does in his skin it's supposed to be patterned after the radiation burns that people had from the actual disaster in this one, we see a lot of those things mirrored where Godzilla looks grotesque. Even in that, like that final form, you see like red under like some of the darker areas and stuff. And then in that scene in particular, there's this like really like, I I don't know how you felt about it, John, that like orchestral kind of thing that's happening under the music. And then we just see the, the city get wrecked by that last fire part because the, the energy beam is, directed at like a helicopter and a couple other things like that. But the fire ends up destroying everything around there. And I, I maybe I'm putting too much on it because I enjoyed the movie so much, but that seems like a metaphor in and of itself. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, um, a lot of cross, uh, communication happening with like the United States, the UN seeking, um, you know, aid, um, the people outside the the country were basically saying, let's just nuke it to hell. Mm-hmm. And the people in Japan, they're like, but we're still here. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, it plays a lot with, like, what to do in a disaster. Some decisions are easier than others. Um, there's this one character in particular that I really liked who was a, a young woman who was not, like, a patriot, basically. Like, mm-hmm. I want to say she was, like, raised in the States. Cause she'll randomly speak in English. There's that one scene in that movie. That's real rough. The just us Japan win-win. Yeah. That was <laughs> egregious in there. <laughs> yeah. When they're like high-fiving each other or something. <laughs> um, yeah. And the, the, it's, it's kind of always kind of weird seeing uh, English speaking actors in a non-English movie speaking English. <laughs> Cause it sounds like, they don't know how to speak English almost. I don't know if it's because they were speaking Japanese and were just dubbed into English later. And it was odd. Like that whole section was a little weird. But other than that, this was a movie that I had put off for way too long only because I didn't find Godzilla aesthetically pleasing. But it was a wonderful, delightful little movie with some interesting metaphor. And probably the first real, and this may be blasphemous to say, because I enjoyed the American Godzilla movies, but this feels like the first real Godzilla movie since the original from 1954, just in the spirit and the tone of it. I would agree. I'm so happy right now, John. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so that was my primary week's watch. Um, I'll do a review of the other two 
and I'll put them up on the site if anybody's curious because I have things to say about Mortal Kombat and uh, <laughs> well, I'm thinking of ending things. <laughs> How many thumbs up or thumbs down do either of these things get from you? Um, the audience gonna, can't see. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna point five things down. You can use your imagination. It's For nose, both? hands, and feet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Think about it. So yeah, no, I was not a fan. So is there any place that people can watch Shin Godzilla online, or do they have to buy it? Or yes, you can at Stephen and have him <laughs> send you his Google Drive link. <laughs> yes feel free go ahead reach out to me guys <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure that there is some place that you can also buy it so yeah you you can buy it you can buy it on uh, amazon prime as far as i know um and i think honestly especially with the recent release it should be in walmart and a couple other places like that for pretty cheap because it's an older movie now mm. yeah. uh doesn't shin also mean like truth or true it's it's um for this one they they keep using shin as resurgence but as far as japanese goes there are words that mean multiple things so okay. it might be one of those words that means more I, than one i would say it's the japanese equivalent of guess who's back back again Zilla's back <laughs> <laughs> uh okay so shin Godza, you can buy it on or rent it on uh amazon prime watch it I, for my week's watch, I watched something on Amazon Prime as well. Um, new series uh, on there. I've only watched the first episode. It's Them. Uh, it's very much in the same vein as Jordan Peele's Us or uh, Get Out or even Lovecraft Country, which doesn't have anything to do with Jordan Peele. Uh, it is about racism. Um, in I think the show is set in the 50s. But it's a black family moving from Louisiana to compton los angeles which at the time was a solely white neighborhood uh compton in los angeles huh outside san francisco compton's in san francisco what am i thinking of right now i have no idea i have no idea what you're thinking of you're thinking of oakland yep that's the one okay (laughs) thank you (laughs) uh i think it was compton maybe it was uh uh, it's a different street. It's a it it's street that is well, at the time was uh, completely known for being uh, a white neighborhood. And mm-hmm. as this family moves in, the neighborhood obviously becomes an uproar with the fact that a black neighbor or a black family is moving in. And uh, it's it's all about race until about the last three minutes of the show, which all, all of a sudden becomes about supernatural stuff. What? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's hints at it throughout the whole first episode, but then all of a sudden, especially a part where you think the show is just going to end the, or the episode is going to end. Like it goes on for like another two minutes and I'm like, wow, that's, that's interesting. That was an interesting play there. So I am, I am curious about watching more of it. I wouldn't say that I liked or did not like the first episode. I just was really, intrigued uh the story can go a lot of places it focuses much mostly on the the mother of the family the matriarch uh and how she's dealing because there's stuff that happened in louisiana that uh uh like uh caused them to move away from there Mm. and Mm. it is is very much her suffering from ptsd of that and now 
whether or not she is dealing well with this new uh, threat that is happening to her family, which is not the supernatural thing. It is the, the other neighbors and, and the one, the only real name actor that I know uh, and the main reason why I, I picked up the show is Alison Pill. She is uh, the main antagonist of the series. Uh, I've been a fan of her since newsroom. So I definitely wanted to give this a check out. Uh, I know she is also what, part of Picard. Not Scott Pilgrim. Newsroom came out before Scott Pilgrim, so oh, did it really? Okay, I believe, yeah. So that's why I, I mean, I liked her in Scott Pilgrim as well. Um, but yeah, so it's it's a it's a very intriguing show. I, I really am interested in where it goes story wise and how they integrate the supernatural with the racism issue. Uh, so uh, I would suggest it for anybody else that might want to give it a watch if you were into Lovecraft Country or us. Or get out. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, there there seems to be such a heavy saturation of that kind of show right now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's not to like that's very much in line with where we're at as a country. Um, it's just interesting to see so many of so, so many shows saying this same kind of message while pairing it with another supernatural kind of aspect. Yeah, mm. especially like. The way that Lovecraft Country was filmed is not the same as it. Like, this is more filmed towards us, which is interesting because it's us and them. But, like, it is very much more that same film style and where it's very jittery when the supernatural parts are happening. It's very uh, bright in, in the other areas of the of the movie. So, it's it's something that I'm interested in watching more of. But, yeah, I don't I don't know if it's, it is for everybody. Okay, so no, that is. I, a, I, I, sorry, I, I don't want to. I don't want the internet to come for you. I think Scott Pilgrim as a movie might have come out first. Did Nobody it? correct him. He was told here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you look it up? Yeah. So it did come out first. Yeah, it looks like it. 2010, 2012. Mm-hmm. And Scott Pilgrim came out in 2009. Ten. Oh, t- t- Newsroom was 2012. When I put it, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't want other people to come for you. I want people to correct me in the same way because I don't want me to say something and then be wrong for so long like I just was with, with Leia. Not not thinking about the deeper <laughs> implications of Leia's adoption. <laughs> well, I mean, that was never outrightly explained in the original trilogy. No. Like, it's, it's one of those things you can play around with in like, the like expanded universe stuff. And but, like with Alderaan having been destroyed, it could be the mecca for all kinds of like awesome technology or wisdom or like interesting characters. And then you can blow it up because it happens in the movie. And okay, well that's all gone now. It's, yeah. it's one of those interesting plot devices. Yeah, they, don't it, have to, they don't have to deal with like crazier tech existing there if they put it. Yeah. There. Yeah, the book made me a lot more sad about Alderaan getting blown up. Like for <laughs> sure, I was like. <laughs> Aw, and then I look at Leia's reaction in the movies, and I was like, she did not react how she should have reacted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because because that's all retrospect or uh, like retroactively yeah. added canon. Although I I really loved and hated the scene in Rogue One when you see Bail Organa, 
and he was like, I'm going to go back to Alteron now while you guys go and steal the plants. And it's like, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> well, I think it's because Bale was still thinking that the Emperor didn't really know because they thought they had Tarkin really confused about it, which is kind of sort of explained in the book. Although the book displaced like two or three years before the events, but still, it's like <coughs> and the way I love and she, Claudia Gray kind of sort of go to Leia clearly cares more about the rebellion than she does about her planet. Like she's leaning that way, but it's just, I'm still like, girl, you should be heartbroken. Instead, you got Luke who's like, my hermit friend who I've known for a day is dead. <laughs> she's like, entire planet. Yeah, that is a meme I saw recently as well. It's like okay. when when the guy you just met after your planet was blown up is sad because his like karate master was killed or something like that. Um, you know, if you like Princess Leia stuff, though, I recommend if you haven't already check out the audio. Uh, what is it? No, the radio play version that's on YouTube. Oh yeah, it's really good. It. Yeah, it has a lot more expanded dialogue with Leia, and you get to see why she's like a bit more plucky. Um, she doesn't take shit from any of the other senators in the Senate. Apparently, she's a little. She's what you'd call a firecracker. <laughs> I, I don't know if anyone like. I don't know if it made it past the noise gate that we use here to keep some of the quieter sounds in there. But there was a sound a couple like minutes ago that I don't think made it past. It. I didn't see my little indicator light up. But I opened a can of worms <laughs> on that last Star Wars part, and I don't know if the sound made it through. <laughs> I'm sure all of that will be more explored in the Obi Wan TV series on Disney Plus. But speaking of Disney Plus. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode six. <laughs> one world, one people. Uh, spoilers if you haven't watched it yet. Yeah, that, that's all I thought of. <laughs> like when they said the last time in there, I was like, we are the world. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to say, I mean, how happy is everybody that now John Walker is universally accepted by everybody because he did the good <laughs> thing and now everybody loves him and no one hates him anymore. We saw him do one thing. Yeah, one I, thing. I, I was, I was intrigued to see that the, the, uh, I guess metals that he had were actually on the inside of the shield. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was interesting. That. Yeah, I didn't realize that yeah. when he was when he was making the shield either. Yeah, and that thing behaved exactly like I hoped it would. It was completely useless. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, against super soldiers, yeah, that that can pick up cement barriers or kick a person across a room. I mean, it gets a regular person. I'm sure that would have held up a little bit better. Yeah, but he's not. Never mind. Anyways, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, and I know this isn't. We'll just get out of the way now. It's like it's what they were. I don't know what they were planning with the quote unquote redemption of John Walker, but like this was not the show for it. Like this is <clears throat> you don't you didn't give us enough time. They didn't have a moment where he has to like introspect on himself and be like, hey what I'm doing is wrong. Like we get that with the split second of, should I go for revenge or should I help the people that are about to die? And he, he helps the people that are about to die, but that's about See, it. So I didn't consider it a redemption redemption. I considered it himself thinking he was redeemed. I, that, yeah, you know, I, I understand I, that, but I, the way that it's filmed and the way that it's shown, like after he gets his new suit, it's, it's very much something else would have in another show or in another movie, like there would have been a lot more to get to that scene and the way that they filmed it. I, I think they were trying to give you just enough that you'd be willing to watch a show about him. Mm, I, I, I'm sure he's going to show up in Captain America four, but I don't think he's going to get his own show. 
yeah, I thought it, he stayed the exact same as he had through the entire thing. And that's what and I'm pointing out, that he is either. exactly the he same. He just thought he was redeemed. That's legit what it was. He thinks he's redeemed. That's why you're not supposed to like his redemption, because he's the only one who thinks it's happened. I'm, I'm a little I'm a little torn on this one because I like the idea of them setting something up where this person is like, I'm back, I'm back. And then it pays off where it's like, yeah, no, you aren't. Yeah, you just yeah. went back and did the exact same thing that you did before. Uh, and he's still like a bad guy because, I mean, he's associated with the bad lady. But whatever. <laughs> um, well, like, we don't know if she's bad yet. Oh, she's yeah, definitely yeah. a bad guy. <laughs> but, like, but I don't think that it pays off in this way, in a way where it'll feel like, oh, no, we really came back around. He wasn't redeemed. Nor do I feel like, yeah, no, he is redeemed. On both of those fronts, I don't. it didn't sell me. If there was one more episode and we saw a hint of something else before or after his redemption, where it was harder for him to re- be redeemed or we got to see him on this redemption arc and then like falter just a little bit, it would have been more interesting. But with just one episode, how do you do that? Yeah, I think this show definitely suffered from the uh, the all the pandemic stops and and lack of being able to film what they wanted to film. Like the show was supposed to be out much earlier than WandaVision, um, mm-hmm. but I think WandaVision's all so- shot on a set, whereas this is more on location and and it had obvious editing problems um Mm -hmm. and this last episode i think suffered from it like it's a great episode at least half of it is a great episode the other half i felt like really falls short i feel Um, like the whole thing fell short the parts that i'm even here for that i wanted out of this show i just i I felt nothing except like some someone out there needed to hear these words and hopefully it strikes them well but i think they undersold the importance of what was supposed to be done with this episode with this episode. Another thing that uh, I thought was interesting is that they've continued the uh, equation of having two fights in the last episode. And one of them ends in not a brawl. Like this is Sam and John meeting up with the last of the flag smashers and being like, no, we pulled the smart move and we got all these guys here and there doesn't need to be a hand-to-hand fight like that was the ship of theseus moment in wandavision so it's it's the i think that's the the backlash or the the marvel studios being like we don't always have to end with a fight like dr strange (laughs) showed that we know how to do things other ways like kind of thing (laughs) uh what else what else is a big part for everybody else so we got the sam showing up in a brand new suit I don't like it. Okay. <laughs> I The only part I don't like about this new suit is the mask. I think yeah. it's not shaped yeah. well for his face, like Anthony uh, Mackie's face. I think it, it's a big miss. We've seen the face frame kind of mask work. Uh, Shatterstar had a decent version of that. But th- with both of the bigger versions, I think that we have where the top of the head is still exposed and then the faces sticking out of a mask. Um, with both him and the earlier version of Kid Flash mm-hmm. in the Flash TV show, those are both really bad. <laughs> um, I did not care for the turn Sharon took in the end mm. credit scene. Okay, so uh, yes, uh, Sharon is exposed to be indefinitely the or definitely the. Uh, power broker as words between her and Carly in the conversation. 
she's as... indubitably the power broker. Yeah, which was fine with me. I I was okay with her being the power broker, but I would have liked a different twist than to the power broker that wouldn't have made the power broker a true bad guy. If that makes sense. Yeah. So as she gets her <laughs> pardon in the in the after credit scene, uh, she as she's walking away from the Senate floor or whatever that room is, she is on the phone with her assistant. Being like, look, start getting buyers because we're going to have secrets and government uh, projects that we can sell to them. Uh, yeah. She's all about being the power broker now. She doesn't care about helping the country because the com- country didn't help her. Yeah. Yeah, that was a bit on the nose, kind of like, uh, okay. The whole episode was very on the nose for it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that this is supposed to be a subtle show, though. Like, it is no. a buddy cop uh, action film spread out over six episodes. Like, you get the equation of, you know, one person needs to be redeemed, one person needs to find his truth, uh, and then everybody fights until that happens. I kind of liked that it was all on the nose, that they didn't shy away from anything, though. They were like, nope, this is the issues we're talking about kind of thing. I wish it was a bit more emotionally impactful, and I think it would have if there was like one more episode. I do agree. I did really like the speech, though. Mm-hmm. There were quotes in it that I really like, and I really, really loved Isaiah Bradley being part of the museum at the end. It was like yeah. that Doctor Who Vincent Van Gogh moment for me. Like I cried a little. I was like, "Oh, he's gonna be remembered. Like history is important, and I'm so happy." And you know, yes. the only thing that undercuts that sequence, though, because I also thought, "Oh, great! At least he's gonna be like not forgotten that that this happened to him." But they still imprisoned him, tortured him, and like let his wife die, like without ever letting them communicate. I'm like, there's still so many wrongs. This is just like one oh, yeah. little breadcrumb towards a right. <laughs> to me, yeah, it is, but it's the start of it, at least. And I was hopeful. I think, like Sam. <laughs> I think to me, the reason I liked it is because anything more would have been outside of Sam's real ability. Like yeah. if they, if Sam had been able to really correct some wrong that wouldn't have been realistic because that's not really like that's not something sam would have had the ability to do but he this is what he can do while still honoring isaiah bradley's request to remain dead because mm-hmm. he's like, not bringing he's not say, telling anybody that isaiah bradley's still alive it's a memorial to him correct. which they also <laughs> They got a. They made a statue of him that's about one quarter of the size of the actual Carl Lumley. Like <laughs> that dude is huge, and it was intimidating. <laughs> I, I think that there were things that, for me personally, would have fulfilled the narrative a little bit better. So, like the thing, the conversation that Sam has with that senator guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that realistically would have been two exchanges something more like in that one a boardroom looking kind of area that we saw twice now for yeah. whatever reason um <laughs> like that, <laughs> that that place it that, that should have happened in that kind of spot as well for the first part of the conversation that they had mm-hmm. where he was actually talking about what they can do and what they do in actuality um, and then the other half of the conversation, that's the second half of what he says, I think should have been the, in that moment right after they rescue them kind of thing. I think mm-hmm. they they made that one whole thing that was two sides 
of a similar issue, but they, they made it go too long. And I think that they robbed his speech of the impact that it has by making it too long. The second half should have been by itself. And the first half would have been a conversation that he has on a stage that the world sees. See, except my, my concern would be that in that room, in the Senate chambers, Mm -hmm. the power dynamic would have been off. Yeah. Sam wouldn't have been able to say that. And Mm -hmm. it would have looked too much like black widow speech at the end of civil war or not civil war. Um, uh, Winter, Winter Soldier, Soldier, yeah. Winter Soldier. Yeah. When she dumps everything. What, what is her speech in there? She's saying that it's time for us to come out of the darkness. Like, our secrets need to be revealed. That includes me and what I've done in the past. Like, it's... it's mm. hide, we were a part of Hydra unknowingly, and we need to make that right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, was, I agree I, with you that his speech was too long. It should have been edited to be more... Because there were definitely impactful parts, but there was a lot of filler um but i think it all needed to occur at that moment in that situation with all the news cameras on him because to do it in any other situation would have changed the power dynamic and sam wouldn't have had the upper hand yeah i'll take that one i I just imagine it being like when they go to have that vote again they talk about where those funds should go but i I absolutely understand what you're saying for this one but i think you have to have this speech now so that they can have that news clip later where they say we are including people who are being relocated and repatriated in the decision of making those, making those things happen. Because right. that's when I think he, he would get to say it. See, but my problem is, is if he is in that, in that room where they're making those decisions mm-hmm. that changes who he is. Because in that speech, you know, he talks about the fact that he doesn't have the answers. He doesn't know about policy. Mm-hmm. That's not his Wait. job. That's that's why I think that's how I think that would go. And this is like entirely like going like way in depth with it. I think he you could he can say like the people who should get to have a voice in this process aren't here in this room right now. Mm-hmm. And then they actually have those people there after that who then get to speak in front of this group of people who are going to take that vote after that. See, but my thing is is if Sam is being Captain America gets really into the politics as opposed to yeah. staying at the top that diminishes he, the impact. He would have because turned then, into... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Elizabeth. Because then inevitably you get the reality, which is, oh, well, you're not part of my political party, so yeah. he, I'm not interested. For the best thing, Stephen, not that anybody else is going to understand this, he would have turned into April from that Hank Green novel. Well, yeah. I, That's I, what I, would have happened if he continued on within a more political point of view. He would have turned into April. And it was, that's very much Captain America should not be in April. Why'd you make me listen to that novel? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wanted different things from that one. Yeah. And I think that's... As much as everybody seen online that I've noticed has seemed to be liking the series so far, I have not seen really anybody talking about the last episode, at least not in a overwhelmingly good way. So I think yeah. it left a lot of people uh, wanting more. Yeah. 
And I think I think these are super hard top topics too. Yeah. It, just just like the way Sam says, it's not supposed to be easy. It's not. It, it's going to be complicated. <laughs> Disney, as powerful as they are, we're not going to wrap it wrap up racism and uh, oh, yeah, no, just, yeah. you know refugees <laughs> like, on one it. episode. <laughs> I mean, Disney quite recently changed how their cast members are allowed to look. They've been really strict. You can't have visible tattoos or anything. And quite recently. They're now allowing small tattoos, just as long as it's nothing of the neck up. They're allowing beards and stuff like that. And the amount of people that are like, I'm never going to Disney again. I'm legit. A person did write a really huge article over how yeah. Republican conservative. Like, <laughs> That's the, sa- the same day as this episode aired was when mm-hmm. that was making the rounds. Yep. Yes. Yep. That op-ed from the. Orlando Times or something like that. Yeah, something that Orlando makes perfect Central. sense. <laughs> oh, the Orlando Sentinel. I wanted to read the original thing, but I was not paying ninety nine cents <laughs> to read it. <laughs> no, um, for this one, I mean, was were there any parts that shined the strongest for people? I think well, the the statue and everything was a moment that we all enjoyed. So. Yeah, yes. I think the statue and I, and I think the speech because I think that's what we all like. That's, that's uh, clearly what we've been talking about. I, I did absolutely love that the the person that could pilot the helicopter was the like downy looking female senator that you wouldn't think would pilot a helicopter. I did quite enjoy that. I was like, oh yay, it's work! <laughs> like, I, I, I'm I'm I, the one thing that I thought was unrealistic about that moment is that that lady actually has her like AirPods with her. Because <laughs> anyone who owns anything like this, realistically, she should only have one, and she probably left it in her bag when they all got rushed out of that room. <laughs> Uh, I did have an issue with the, at the end of it, and I know it's a very small issue, but if she's supposed to be a senator, the fact that Sam doesn't call her senator or whatever, he just says, uh, way to go, Isla, like her first mm. name. Uh, it's so impersonal. I don't know that she's or supposed informal. to be a senator because you're know. dealing yeah, with the global. Right. Yeah. And he may not know her title. <laughs> but he had all that other research. I mean, if he yeah. was enough to be like, this is, uh, she has a cat card too. Like, or I'm sorry, a cat. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's part of the thing. So it, it, she's yeah. a part of the U.S. government in some way, or at least given one by the U.S. government. Yeah. Uh, uh, one thing I really brought that it's, it's, it's a small thing too. And I don't know how I really feel about it, but in the scene where Sam is about to get shot by Carly. I know he's dazed after, you know, getting hit by her and stuff, but was he really in danger at that moment? Like the wings react in such a Mm. fast way. If they were to come around, they would have blocked the shot. Like the bullet would not have penetrated the wings to me. It, I really want to know if he was in danger at that moment at all, or if he just wanted to like, like otherwise I don't know how that scene would have played out if the wings come out, like it, it plays out the way it does so that Sharon gets the last shot. She kills the person that could possibly expose expose her. her. Like I understand all that, but like the way that we've seen Sam use the wings in the past, it really made me think like, would he have been shot? No, there were were some inconsistencies. I think in this that were just for forwarding the story. Right. Why do those dudes have those weird, little things that just sealed the door were strong enough that Bucky couldn't pull them right out. But then yeah. Sam's laser thing pulled them right off. There's some things that were just narrative conveniences. Yeah. Well, didn't it cut it off though? Didn't it cut yeah. the door, the laser thing? It yeah. It, no, it, it cut the device. It, it cut the device. Yeah. It cut oh, the little legs off of it. Oh, okay. And they were conspicuously loud. 
for yeah. a thing that seems purposely purpose made for this one task. I that feel also, like. Sorry. Go ahead, Jessica. I feel like what you were supposed to get from that scene was Sam was giving her that final choice. Yeah. Over how far she was going to go, and then of course what it was still taken was away from her. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I think the look on Sam's face when he looks at Sharon was, "You didn't have to do that." Like. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Like, come on. Any, uh, yeah, I, I didn't get that one. Uh, back to that, uh, the little spider thing that Stephen was talking about. That guard is the way that they play that scene is like he's doing it secretively. However, there are a bunch of people around him that have to obviously see him. Mm-hmm. So it just makes me think like, how many of them are like, why is he doing it secretly if the people around him already know mm-hmm. it or? are they hiding who are they hiding it from like how many i guess it's it's more of how many people are actually part of the flag smashers that are also guards and how many are not it's mm-hmm. well because clearly the four drivers of the two vans are not that's why they get pulled out well they are also nypd whereas these guys are all security for the grc so i i get that I, it, yeah yeah so it's it's i think this is these are the issues that happen because we have so much limited due to the pandemic filming yeah, the, yeah, there were a lot of things that telegraphed other stuff in the episode also. Even just the one part where uh, um, Bucky calls Sharon. Mm-hmm. He didn't talk to her at like four other different parts where he needed to reach out to her. Mm-hmm. If if in this moment he needed to reach out to her. But it was like, as soon as he calls her to tell her about something that's going on, it's like, oh, no, yeah, she's the bad guy. Yeah, and like he like, tells her to follow that that one guard and... It takes take yeah. him out, but like, or I, I guess he she didn't he didn't say take him out, but like, what else did she think he, she was supposed to do? I understand that she's also the bad guy, and it's, but the sequence of events that happens right there just did not make any sense because she blames Bucky. He's like, oh, you let the hostages get away. You were right there. Why didn't you help them <laughs> stop them from being taken away? And then she immediately kills that that guard. And it, but in a in a intense way, that was a, that was an intense visual. That I mean, dude was getting eaten from the outside. <laughs> yeah, it's obviously set up so that she, it's it's a telegraph to that she's the bad guy because you don't see the good guy kill that a way. bad guy after he's already done the thing. Yeah, like it's only in the moment of fighting that oh well we had I had no other choice kind of thing. If it's still mm-hmm. if you're still a good guy, yeah, like the, she openly says it to Bucky too. She's like, yeah, I got him with like mercury and some other things which i would have stopped at the mercury i'd have been like you melted his face didn't you <laughs> no we need to have a keep running like, uh, we need to wait hold up that's not typical I, I i was glad that we ended on the note of seeing everyone kind of partying and rejoicing yeah. mm-hmm. in this this new change of everything and I really liked that what they did with the end credits where they changed it to say Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Right. Like, these things were really good. There, there's, I don't want to just make it sound like it was all negative on this one. It, that's not the case. It's just the rest of the series was so strong in so many different things that this fell a little bit flat by comparison, even though they were doing something that was so positive. Right. I think, I think the same. Um, I feel like I've just gotten used to endings being flat. <laughs> I don't think I've been happy with a single ending, really. WandaVision was pretty good, but I still wanted more from it, I think. So just and I think we talked about the Captain America Winter Soldier thing before we started recording, but like we should they should not I I think we I don't know if we all agreed or not, but the Winter Soldier part should have also been changed yeah. because mm-hmm. 
Surprisingly enough, the one of the NYPD guys actually calls Bucky Sergeant Barnes, which I thought was an interesting throw-in line. Uh, that could also the mean, person knew. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like he's not wearing anything that says he's sergeant. He's a sergeant or anything like that. Uh, obviously, something that was thrown in ADR. If you're paying attention, um, <laughs> but the fact that they threw that in and didn't call him like Captain American Sergeant Barnes or Sergeant Bucky Captain Barnes. American Bucky, like Bucky, you know, it's it's weird to keep him as Winter Soldier when he strives so much to make himself a separate person from that. Even <laughs> as Stephen was bringing up, like in the scene where he is quote unquote making his amends to uh, the father that of the of the man that he killed. Like he he separates himself from Winter Soldier. Like he was killed. It was something that I had no choice in doing. Yeah. I think I think that's because Bucky has now become not the Winter Soldier, but he hasn't become who he's supposed to be yet. Mm. Yeah. Because you talked about that buddy cop dichotomy of, you know, a redemption Mm -hmm. and somebody who finds himself. Bucky got the redemption. He has not found himself yet. That's going to have to be the next movie, the next series, the whatever. Whatever it is. And that's when they change the name. Because he's no longer Winter Soldier, but he's he's not yet somebody else. Okay. That's fair. Uh... Yeah, U.S. agent got his black suit. It's exactly the same for, except for it's black where it's blue. And honestly, you can't really tell with the way they color grade the show. Yeah, like the, yeah. the blue that he had in the suit is already so dark. And I don't Is that know why anybody... he does it, by the way. Like, Absolutely, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, thank you for that. <laughs> uh, I don't know if anybody's seen the the photos of how Louis Julia Louis Dreyfus was brought in to set. Um, like in a cloak so that nobody could take pictures of her, like underneath a blanket and all that stuff. Uh, yeah. The picture that she shows or the video they show of her taking it off, her hair is a lot more purple than what shows up in the show, which looks very blue to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Uh, so they obviously color grade this heavily in a yeah, different they, Yeah. They, they crunched blues down in this in general. Um, even with the stuff like skin tones aren't as orangey as they are in some things because that that whole like teal and orange kind of thing is so popular still Mm. in color grading they they don't keep the blues higher Hmm. also did they bring her onto set under the thing because we would have already seen her in black widow well they would have filmed this after black widow that's what i mean so it's like oh she's on set now like this that's why it's important to hide her because otherwise like I don't, I don't fucking know. know who this person is. <laughs> I, they might have. Well, the thing is, is that they might have known at this point that no one had seen Black Widow. Like, so she would already filmed her mm. stuff for Black Widow. So they would have kept her secret there. And then since Black Widow didn't come out when it was supposed to, and this was supposed to come out three months after Black Widow, they're like, well, we need to keep hiding her. And mm-hmm. I'm guessing that's what that was about. I mean, it was a surprise on the Internet. Yeah. People were like, wait, why is Julie Lewis Dreyfus on my television screen? A surprise? Not a cameo. Yes. No, it was not a cameo. Up. I don't get that. It's, I don't it's understand. just a really good actress saying some really great lines <laughs> and having some really pretty hair. I'm so happy. <laughs> I don't care if she's evil. I'm just so happy. I just love <laughs> I love her portrayal of Vanessa, whatever it is. I just she's she's the evil queen. She's Contessa Francesca, but at a hammock. 
Yeah. Uh, so, like, I know that most people now know her from her series of Veep, and I do too because I just finished watching that not too long ago. I still think of her as Elaine whenever I see absolutely. her first. So, that was absolutely. What I said. It's yeah. Elaine. What's what I said. <laughs> but Elaine. this this character is very much more in vain with the Veep character yes. of mm-hmm. you know the same type of humor. The did I do it? No, it wasn't me. <laughs> or maybe it was. Like, yeah, just constantly <laughs> batting things around. Wait, is this Kristen Wick? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, where does everybody th- think that these roles are going to be in the fourth Captain America movie that was announced on Friday? I don't know. I don't know. I, yes. I think she plays a big role. I can't you think she's going to play a bigger else. role? Yeah. Sharon's going to, we're going to come back around on Sharon? Yes. Yeah. And honestly, I'll tell you this. So when Carly shoots Sharon, I honestly thought what we're going to see was her die. Sharon was going to die. And then later on, the after credit scene was going to be on the morgue table, like of S.H.I.E.L.D. or whoever, you're going to, they're going to pull back the the blanket and you would see a scroll there. Because that's Mm. essentially what happens in Secret Evasion, which we know. Secret Invasion is a show that's going to be coming out here soon enough as they've made two big casting announcements. Well, they people are in talks for casting of Amelia Clark and Olivia Coleman. Um, mm. I think that's how it happens in the comic book. Elektra dies, and then all of a sudden her face reverts back to being a scroll, and everybody's like, what is going on? So mm-hmm. I thought that was going to be happen here. That does not happen. I still think that Sharon Carter might be a scroll because it is a big turn from her character in the comic books to be this evil power broker. Uh, it they might not go with that, but I think that's a thing that could happen. It, if we are forecasting uh, MCU stuff, I think the scrolls are the first failure of a wave of MCU stuff. It's going to be Ultron on the biggest scale, personally. So you think the scrolls coming back as bad guys is going to be equivalent to Age of Ultron being a failure? Yeah, I don't think people are going to take to this one. Okay. Like, there's just we just have waves and waves of television where anything like that fails and they keep trying to make it happen um but for didn't uh, Battlestar with their whole like the the hidden yep. high cylons wasn't that a big thing no pe- people only the, the, if if that was the entire thing for that series it would have been i think it would have been a miss but the rest of Battlestar as a series was something that was new and fresh for people that it made a big a big enough difference against that plot line okay. but what what is the john um Star Trek uh, Deep Space Nine? Is that the one I'm thinking of with the shapeshifters? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah, that one, I couldn't have given less of a shit. (laughs) Um, um, The TV show Alien Nation back in the day was incredibly expensive, and that was a massive flop for trying to have these other people who were, some are good, some are bad. But what's like, like, it was, it's just a miss of a metaphor. Okay. I I don't think people take to it. Yeah. I like them as good guys or neutral guys. I, I don't want to see them as bad guys, even though I know that's how it is in the comics. Like I don't, I think I like them helping out Nick Fury and, and stuff. I, I think what, if they decide to go with the scrolls, they could change it to Kree that are the bad guys still, as yeah. we've already said. Um, they would, they're just going to do is like, Hey, some of them are good guys. Some of them are bad guys. Like the sect that we've seen in Captain Marvel are good guys. The other sect might be bad guys. I think it's too, it's too sci-fi of a thing. I think people are going to fall away from it. That, that's fair. 
I mean, based off of Jessica's statement, it might be interesting to see her be a scroll, but be a scroll still un- working for Nick Fury and operating as the power broker. Like Nick Fury's who she's calling to line up buyers because Nick Fury has mm. always been in the business of trading and selling information. True. That's all. That's probably, always been his thing. So that would actually cur- fit. Yeah, he's probably currently very pissed at the U.S. government. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John, you've been very quiet through most of this. Is there anything else that you'd like to throw in? Is, is there anything good on Reddit you want to share? You guys are covering everything. Um, like, I there's really nothing here. I agree with the whole scre- the secret invasion thing might be a miss. Um, I was thinking of a different sci-fi show, Stephen. Uh, Earth Final Conflict. Yeah, same. Yeah, which um, was not a hit. People don't remember <laughs> that show. I watched it because I used to. I grew up with three channels, and that was one of them that had it. So, um, it's 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 a. I think it's a topic where it's way too easy to get bogged down in the simplism of it. it yes, there could be good and bad scrolls. Guess what? The majority of the people are going to see them all bad. That's yeah. kind of the problem that we have with. Falcon and the Winter Soldiers dealing with like past race relations and stuff and the super soldier stuff. Um, you know, you can have one good one and you did, but all the rest of them have been bad. So um, I don't look forward to it, especially audiences don't like feeling like they've been tricked and having it be that some characters take a big turn and it turns out that this whole time they were actually scrolls is kind of a cheat. And it won't go over well, I think. So that's fair. Yeah, not, I mean, not looking forward to that. They're calling the series Secret Invasion. It could totally be something completely different, just like they I changed up Civil War uh, from the comic book. I hope for that. I, <laughs> I also hope for Loki to not just hit on the comedy points. I'm I'm sure there's going to be some more deeper stuff in that show. There will. Uh. Zemo also gets his final laugh from prison yeah. as his butler with wearing <laughs> while wearing gloves blows up <laughs> the last of the flag smashers. Uh, I thought that was a weird well, did, tie up. Did he get the did he get all of them? Because wasn't there the one in the Hudson that Sam? No, was that was in? he 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 was also he was the last oh. one they loaded into the truck. <laughs> he was yeah he's the long haired Asian looking one. Yeah, the one who had that awesome social media post with him with the shield. That was a good one. <laughs> uh any other points anybody wants to bring up otherwise i think i for myself uh i like the show overall last Mm -hmm. episode just kind of falls flat Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah that's me yeah Yeah. (laughs) basically all right i mean like wandavision though i think it's just going to be the setup for captain america 4 because the showrunner for this series is now writing the next one that's right Mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm Uh, if you want to talk to me about the show or anything else, uh, that we talked about today, find me on Twitter. I am at Mitchipedia GEM. GEM stands for Geek Elite Media. Stephen, where can people find you online? You can find me all across the internet as some version of Peppermint Gentleman. For Twitter, that's Peppermint Gent for short. Jessica? You can find me on Twitter as JM Bailey Writes. John? You can find me everywhere as at Magic Bollocks. And Elizabeth. You can find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media on our Facebook page forward slash Geek Elite Media. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network on our website, geekleetmedia.com. Whatever podcatcher you use to listen to this, please rate and review us. It helps spread the word of our network. 
But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geekly Media Network saying always remember to geek out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast. 